Can everyone hear me? Yes. yes. Good. This is a good thing. Um, right, I'm talking about uh, the Salvation Army and social action and justice, which is a major part of the, uh, the um, Salvation Army. The reading I chose, um, Sam had given me an, an Old Testament prophet, and I seem to have done a lot of talking on Old Testament prophets recently, so I thought I would ask for something else. So we've got James chapter 2. Um, James was probably the brother of Jesus, or the half-brother, um, and the leader of the Council of Jerusalem. Um, and it, it, it wasn't the Apostle James who wrote this because he died too early. Um, and obviously the book of James is all about how you act in response to your faith. Does anybody know what James's nickname was? Was it Yeah. James's, <laughs> James's nickname in, in the Jerusalem church was Old Camel Knees. And the reason for that is because he was always kneeling and praying. So he wasn't just always about doing the actions. He was a spiritual man as well. He's not saying it's all action and no belief. He's saying it's both. Um, Martin Luther in the uh, 1500s famously wanted the book of James re removed from the Bible because Martin Luther believed that it was all about faith and none of it was about action. Um, faith is important, I don't doubt that at all, but it, that is what fuels you and directs you to behave in a certain way in your life and to live a certain way. One of the things, John, John sent me some emails recently and one of them was entitled, Do Something. And Do Something is actually on the Salvation Army website. Uh, but it's also the command that William Booth gave to his son Bramwell when he saw homeless men huddled under a London bridge. Do something. You can't just believe. You have to act out your faith. And that's what started off the Salvation Army on the social action and justice thing. When I was a youngster, well, in my teens, I had this poem on my wall. I'm sure some of you have seen it before. It's by John Donne, who was actually Dean of St Paul's Cathedral in London. And it's entitled, No Man is an Island. And there's lots of quotes from this that are used in books and films and all sorts of things. But what it says, and as I say, I had this on my wall when I was about 14 because it really struck me as truth. I also used to listen to the songs of Bob Dylan, you know, the protest songs, because I thought he's got something to say as well. <clears throat> but John Donne was around in the 1600s. And John Donne wrote, No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. Ignore Brexit. Um, if a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or of thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me, because I am involved in mankind, and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee, because we're all part of one humanity. We, we, you know, the moment we were born, we signed up for that. And I think this came to a head with the COVID thing. I mean, we didn't do very well on COVID deaths in this country. I think we're in the top four in terms of death rate. Um, but we've done very well on the vaccination thing, haven't we? Um, but as people were pointing out, it's great. Have, I've now had my booster, actually. I've, I'm, I've got 
I've got three, three COVIDs and one flu on board now, so I'm superhuman, um, <laughs> can face anything. Um, but in terms of COVID, people were saying, yeah, it's all very well us doing well on vaccinations, but no one is safe until we're all safe. We need to think about the, the countries in the world that haven't got what we've got. We've got huge resources in this country. And there's a, there's a whole lot, I mean, and it's, it's rumoured that lots of COVID vaccines have gone to waste, and that's a crime when there's none uh, for the people who need them. So there's lots of people now, even though they may not have a faith, are thinking, actually, we can't have peace until we've all got peace. We can't have peace while we know that other people are suffering around us. On the Salvation Army website, uh, there is this picture, and it says beside it, belief in action, serving in the heart of the communities, or serving in the heart of communities. And there's a whole load of other pictures on the Salvation Army website, because we know that since William Booth told his, his son Bramwell to get on with helping those men, it's been really important for the Salvation Army to get involved in local issues, in national issues, in international issues. Um, so there's all sorts of pictures on there, and it's all about uh, the websites are all about how the Salvation Army approaches homelessness, and we know there's a hostel just down the road from here. They're, lead, they're a lead charity in, in dealing with trafficking and human slavery. They've been appointed by the government to do that, so they're very keen on supporting people um, who are being uh, enslaved or trafficked. Um, this, this, it's a bit blurry, actually, isn't it? This is a picture of um, uh, the emergency response. Now, I know, jo jo oh, Joan, in the past, you've done some of this, haven't you? Oh, yeah. So where did you, I mean, you, basically, they, they phone you whatever time of day or night. And, yeah. And you go and you provide coffee and tea for people and maybe biscuits, I don't know. But the thing is, you're not only there because you're providing coffee and tea. You're there because you're providing a listening ear. You're providing your own perspective on things. That's where your Christian faith comes in. Um, they also do debt counselling. They also have sports and community centres, and some of the community centres still haven't opened after the pandemic, which has caused a lot of problems. And there is a lot of people that say, well, aren't you just a charity then? You're not a church. Aren't you just a charity? But what we do is fueled by what we believe. Um, so yes, we are a church as well, and here we are, we're meeting. And the statement on the Salvation Army website says this, the Salvation Army is a worldwide evangelical Christian church. Our mission is based on our faith in Jesus Christ, who wants everyone to experience life in all its fullness. I came so that they might have life in all its fullness. That means everything for everybody. That We're aiming for, to, to improve the lot of every single person. That is why here in the UK and Ireland, we put our faith into action by offering practical help for people without discrimination, standing up for those who are vulnerable, fighting against injustice, and encouraging people to deepen their relationship with God. The services we offer are diverse and responsive to the realities of life in the communities we serve. You couldn't say it clearer than that. So why did William Booth think that social action was important? If you look in the Hebrew Bible, which is our Old Testament, two of the most common linked ideas 
in the Hebrew Bible are two words. One is mishpat, which means justice, and one is zedekah, which means righteousness. Now, people misunderstand what righteousness in the Hebrew context means. I won't ask you what you think it is, but a lot of people tend to think, well, you know, somebody's right with God, you know, the relationship with God is good, fine. But actually, the term zedekah, which is the term which is translated as righteousness in our Bibles, is much, much, much bigger than that. It's about doing what is right and what and putting justice into action. It's an action. It's not just feeling holier than thou when you, in your quiet time. It's actually doing something. So the two linked words, mishpat and zedekah, are all about justice, social justice, uh, and putting justice into action. I, I, I was looking for my copy of a Bible, which is called the Justice Bible. And the Justice Bible highlights, I think in red, every single reference to justice in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And I, believe me when I tell you, I was going to flick through it and show you. It's red all the way through. You cannot avoid the fact that justice is a major, major player in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. A lot of the works of Jesus were uh, all about justice uh, and putting things right and fixing things um, just to show what the kingdom was going to be like. So just a, a few quotes. I'm sorry if this, this seems like a rush through the Bible, but honestly, I was spoiled for choice. There are so many things. So I've just chosen three here. Um, so there's one in the Psalms. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. I think there was also a reference in that Psalm that we had at the beginning. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Isaiah goes, to go, goes on to say that is the sort of worship that God wants to do these things. Micah says, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And all the way from Genesis through Deuteronomy and Leviticus, yes, it's in the law, uh, to Samuel, to major and minor prophets, justice flows through the Old Testament. You can't ignore it. And then we get to the birth of Jesus. And this is... I'm sorry it looks a bit blurred. It looked better on my computer screen. But this is the Magnificat, the, 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 the song that, G, that Mary sung. You know, she, if you remember, she went to see her, her relative, Mary Elizabeth, who was also uh, expecting a child. And Elizabeth's baby jumped in the womb. And Elizabeth said, blessed are you among women. And, and Mary responded with this song. And for a 14, 15-year-old girl, this is amazing. It's actually a sort of manifesto, a sort of political statement. And halfway down it says, He puts forth his arm in strength and scatters the proud-hearted. He casts the mighty from their thrones and raises the lowly. He fills the starving with good things and sends the rich away empty. This is social justice, and she's talking about her son. Then we get to Jesus himself. The first time he appears on the scene in the synagogue in Nazareth, what does he quote? He quotes Isaiah, which is Isaiah's picture of the kingdom of God. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. So he's, he's reading from the, the scroll of Isaiah. The spirit 
of the Lord is on me. Isaiah 61 for anybody who wants to have a look. Um, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And this, again, is all about social justice. All signs of the coming of God's kingdom, which we'll come on to in just a sec. And he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I am the person who is going to do this. Now I've arrived, the kingdom of God has arrived. And a bit further down the same reading, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God because that is why I was sent. The kingdom of God arrived on earth when Jesus arrived. In the kingdom of God, God's will is done as perfectly as it is in heaven. And the whole point of God's kingdom is that it's justice for everybody, the poor, the rich, it's justice for everybody in in, in the kingdom. So it's all about truth and justice, which you've mentioned. It's about peace and wholeness. Shalom is a greeting um, in um, Judaism. Shalom means peace to you, brother, but it all means more than that. And the idea of shalom is that you cannot have peace while somebody else around you is suffering. It's all about fair shares for all. This is what the kingdom of God is about, and this is what Jesus came to proclaim. And the thing is, just about all the teachings of Jesus, Jesus taught about the kingdom more often than he taught about anything else. And you can add it up if you like, it's just a fact. And this is what we work towards when we follow the teachings of Jesus to make the kingdom of God a reality on earth. And a lot of the encounters that Jesus had were about this and a lot of the stories that he told were about this. So, for example, guess who this is sitting up in a tree? Who's that? Zacchaeus. I nearly got John to sing Zacchaeus is a very little man, but we didn't do that in the end. Um, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was getting rich at other people's expense. He was despised because he was working with the occupying Romans. Nobody liked him. And Jesus walked by and he was in the tree so he could see um, Jesus passing by. And Jesus stopped, probably embarrassed the life out of him and said, come on, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. For tears, it says in the song. I'm coming around to your house. And Jesus went round to Zacchaeus's house. And what happened? He talked to Zacchaeus. He explained his vision for the world, presumably. We don't know what was said. And what Zacchaeus says in response is, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Four times was what was required by the law when he'd done something wrong. So he knew the law, but he just wasn't sticking to it. And what did Jesus say in response to that? Jesus basically said, yeah, you've got it. You understand, Zacchaeus, what I'm trying to teach here. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Yes, he's in the fold with everyone else. He's, 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 he's acting like he should. He's, he's following the teachings, the discussion we've had. He, get, he absolutely gets it. The son of man, that's Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. And Zacchaeus had been lost. So you get it, Zacchaeus. You understand what the kingdom is all about and you're going to live differently from now on. 
the stories, I mean, that, that Jesus told. We've just had the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, which is the perfect thing, isn't it? Saying you actually have to look after people. Um, Jenny, a little, a few weeks ago, was talking about the farmer who had taken in massive harvests and decided to store it all in his barns. And the thrust of that story is not that he dies tonight because everybody dies. The thrust of that story was that he was putting it in his barns, so he was okay. Forget about the people down the road who are starving. Um, again, with the, you know, one of the hardest teachings that Jesus gives is the sheep and the goats. Um, this is about when Jesus comes back. <clears throat> sheep and goats in, in, uh, in Israel look very, very similar. We know what sheep, the difference between sheep and goats are, but they actually look very similar um, in, in um, Palestine, uh, the goats and the sheep. So they look similar, but the shepherd can actually tell them apart. And what happens is he dis- the, the, the shepherd sorts the sheep and the goats and puts the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And he says to the, people, to the sheep on his right that then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since before the beginning of the world. You're already living in it because of the way you're behaving, because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And what did they say? Oops. Then the righteous answered and said, When did you see we hungry and when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whenever you did it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, remember all human beings are made in the likeness of God. They are all our brothers and sisters, whether they have a faith or not. Truly I tell you, whenever you did it for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. So we come to James. And, you know, I'm sorry if I'm laboring the point, but I just can't understand why people can't always see this. The actions are really important as part of your your Christian faith. They have to be. You can't be a Christian in isolation. You have to be part of a community. Just like the lady who did your dog, I don't know whether she had a faith or not, but she did. That tells you a lot then, doesn't it? So when, when um, James talks about it, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of them says to you, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. There's been such a debate in Christian circles about, you know, faith and deeds and, you know, it's, it's, sorry, faith and, and, and deeds and, you, you know, I have faith but you have deeds. The Bible marries them all together all the time. And what, what they're saying here is you don't have to give away everything. I mean, when John was speaking, John, John the Baptist was speaking, he says, if you've got two coats, give one away. He doesn't say if you've got one coat, give that away. He says, if you've got excess, if you've got more than you need, help somebody with it. And I think most of us, I mean, not all of us, but most of us have more than we need. And he's absolutely adamant that it's not... It's not a get-out clause, just saying, well, you know, I'm very righteous. Because righteousness, as we've seen, has got an active component. 
And all of the things Jesus did, and this is uh, John the Baptist talking to Jesus, all of the things that Jesus did, uh, John the Baptist said, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? And Jesus said, go back and report what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And this is a prefiguration, this is a foresight, a foretaste of the kingdom of God. So Jesus didn't heal everybody, he didn't feed everybody, he didn't give water to everybody, but he said this is an example of what the kingdom of God looks like. He also said, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is within you. As believers, it is within you. And we have our, and our job is to kind of ooze it out um, into the world around us. So the kingdom of God is not sitting on a fluffy cloud by a big beardy man. I don't really believe in that vision personally. Um, it's not pie in the sky when you die. It's um, about seeing everyone on this earth now with, God, with God's eyes and looking at them and seeing the needs they have and seeing if you can help. You can't do more than you can do, but, you know, we all have to do something um, in some way. If you can, I mean, there are lots of reasons perhaps why you can't, and that, that's fine. But if you can, then we come on to what William Booth said, do something. Just as William Booth said to Bramwell about the destitute people sheltering under a London bridge, yes, they were teaching them all about Jesus, but they had to do something as well. We can't ignore the teaching and actions of Jesus and do nothing because so much of his teaching and actions were about doing something. We have to see the image of God, the God light in all people and do what we can to spread the light and love of God where we are. And that's next door, it could be anybody you come into contact with, as you said, Carol. Uh, you know, if God puts them in your way, then they're, they're a potential target. <laughs> and oftentimes it's not even money that people need, it's hugs and company, particularly after the pandemic. Um, John and I have long wanted to restart doing something on a daily basis. At one point we had the church open nearly every day and people just used to pop in and have a slice of toast and some, and uh, what's his name? What was the guy who ran Recycles? Bill. Bill. He did brilliant cheese on toast, didn't he? It was superb. I've never tasted cheese on toast like it. But it was also listening to people, sitting alongside people, allowing them to come in and talk. John's finding with, with the um, open table on Fridays, people just want to sit down and talk and have a cup of coffee, really. They don't, they don't want much. I mean, they come for the food as well, but the, you know, the joy of just sitting down, and that's how God's love spreads. It's by just talking to people. I mean, you know all about this, don't you, Lucy? You know, there's, there's lots, of pe- lots of people who've... Um, yeah, yeah. And it's, often it's just that time that you spend with people that changes their lives and makes them look at things differently. You might wonder why there is a picture of a three-legged race on here. I'm not saying you've all got to go and be in a three-legged race. You might be relieved to know. But what William Booth said is that faith and works should travel side by side and step answering to step like the legs of a man walking. 
First faith, then works, then faith again, then works, until they can scarcely distinguish which is one and which is the other. It's not either, it's both. Anybody said the Lord's Prayer recently? Yes. I, we used to, in, in the Anglican church, we used to say it every Sunday, basically. Some, in, in, some, in some services, you actually said it twice, which I thought was a bit over the top, but, you know, hey. Um, but in the Lord's Prayer, we talk about the kingdom. And it's an interesting thing, because in, in, Jesus obviously was Jewish, and he understand the way that Jewish people think. And quite often you find that you get a phrase and the next two phrase or two will actually explain it. And so it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, your kingdom come. And the, but for explanation, it kind of says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he goes on about, give us our daily bread, enough for today. And, and carries on through, through there. So I just thought that maybe um, we could pray this prayer, as I've now reached the end of my talk. Um, but just bear in mind when you pray this prayer that we're committing to being involved. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not something future pie in the sky. It's something to help your neighbour with now. Okay, so let's just pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. <laughs>